Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker of Elkins Consulting. Many of my clients reach out to me because they're in transition. Their children are hitting milestone ages. They want more from their work. They're hitting a big number birthday. And they want to develop clarity about their natural strengths, what their next adventure might look like. In this series, you'll hear me ask my guests questions to dig deeply into the stories that shaped their lives, stories that uncover patterns and may unveil insights into dissatisfaction and also where their strengths lie and where they found and continue to find joy. This podcast's intention is to have listeners think of their own related stories and how they tell them, discovering the internal messages that are limiting their success and discovering how to shift their stories so they become positive life lessons to move them forward. If you're curious about what it would be like to work with me, visit elkinsconsulting.com and schedule a one-time 90-minute StrengthsFinder session. I am so fortunate today. Today, I get to have Philip Wilkerson on the podcast. Um, We met via LinkedIn, and I just immediately loved his energy, and we decided we would swap interviews on our podcast, and today it's my turn to ask Philip to share, Phil, to share some of his stories with me. So I'm, I'm really eager to get started. And thank you, Phil, for joining me today. Oh, no problem. Really excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm just going to start with the, the, one of the questions I like to ask at the beginning is for you to just share briefly um, something that you are doing at work right now that really lights you up or a recent situation that was like, oh yeah, this is so cool. I'm so glad I'm doing what I'm doing. Oh, okay. Like right now, uh, you know, I work in George Mason University. I think that's how we connected because I believe your mother went there. Mm-hmm. Go Patriots. I'm also a Mason alum myself, uh, graduated in 2012. And so, I mean, I don't know. I have a whole good news folder. So every time a student tells me that they've done well or because I work at the career center. So when I help a student be successful in obtaining an internship or a little success doing well, passing a class, I put that in my good news folder. And so I'm trying to think of the one that most recently had. I don't know. I got a big good news folder. So I got a whole bunch of them. Uh, honestly, I like, love that. Emails. I can't really think of one like right. Like, was there, I guess was there so a student that reminded you of yourself? recently? Oh, okay. So that's a good question. I mean, honest, uh, there's a lot of students that remind me of myself because uh, uh, George Mason University is located in Northern Virginia. I'm a native of Northern Virginia uh, because my parents were in the military and stationed here that very often I get to see a student that's like, hey, what high school you go to? And they say one, it's very relevant to me. And particularly um, being that I'm a black male, you know, if I see a black male that coincides with those intersection identities, uh, I definitely see a lot of mirrors of myself. You know, like, wow, that's a guy I could have gone to high school with or, you know, hung out with. Um, And uh, particularly uh, working uh, with the students that are in the NAACP, I'm the advisor for them, as well as the uh, IOTA Alpha chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, which is the fraternity I'm also a member of. I see these intersections all the time. I get to see little mirrors of myself all the time. That's awesome. I definitely want to dive into that after we get, um, when we get to that point. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I just wanted our our audience to hear a little bit about what you do through that kind of story. And now, um, as you know, I like to ask my guests to share something about themselves that most people might not know about them. 
Do you have a story or an idea of something to share? I, I mean, I'm so, I'm so, I, I talk so much. I think my wife jumps <laughs> in overshare. So I'm trying to think of things that people don't know about me. Um, well, um, in, in our conversation before, you mentioned that you started doing these YouTube videos. I think most people that are going to be listening to this might not know that about you. They may know about your current iteration of your podcast. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people ask me where my journey in podcasting start um, because they, I, I think I love that you brought that. They see the tip of the iceberg. They see where I'm at now, five years in. I've been podcasting for about five years, uh, but they didn't see the start. Uh, a lot of people don't see the, 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 the beginning of the journey, the origin story as it is. So, uh, yeah, I will share that. Um, about, you know, over five years ago, 2016, I was kind of understimulated at work, a little bored. And then I decided that I wanted to, you know, just kind of motivate myself. So what I did is I would get in my car and right before I walk in the office, right? Like before I would put the cell phone up at the the wall mount or the the camera mount. And I would do these, what I call random ramblings of Philip Wilkerson, which I would just do these little quick three minute, five minute videos of me just talking to myself and trying to motivate myself, like, you know, motivational Monday and just saying things to like get me fired up. And then I would upload it to YouTube. And um, with just the intention of just being a motivational speaker, I don't know, I wanted to just, I, I was watching TED Talks and stuff. And I was like, man, man, maybe I'll just talk to myself like these TED Talks talk to me. And then I uploaded it to YouTube and realized it was very boring for me to do it in my car. And that's how my journey in podcast started because I asked one of my friends, hey, how can I take these, these random rambles that I'm doing, these thoughts that are in my head and make it a little bit more organized and also just not in a, my car because it's kind of boring in my car. Because uh, I heard podcasting like a radio show, so that that's that is great. Thank you. That is a uh, uh, origin story, and it's funny if you go to YouTube and search "random ramblings of Philip Wilkerson" with one L, Philip with one L. Uh, they're still up there. They're still up. I still have them. <laughs> that's awesome. I actually did after our first conversation. I'm like, did? oh my gosh, you could have kept going with that. People still love them. <laughs> oh, that really cool. was kind of boring. I was just in my car, you know, like yeah, I actually well, need to go back and watch it. I have not, uh, I've done that one time where I listened to one of my first episodes of my podcast, but I've like literally have never really looked at these. I upload it and set it and forget it. Forget like, about it. Right. I didn't right. Look at them. So it's funny. I'm curious. I might, I might post those on LinkedIn after this interview just to say, Hey, this is where I started, y'all, and post these old videos and see what people think. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, I I really like some of those um, very vulnerable posts that people share. Like, this is where I was five years ago, and look at what I'm doing now. And how cool is it that any one of us could take one of these steps to change the whatever path we're on? And, and we wouldn't even know that we were changing the path we were on so dramatically from one little step. And it kind of brings me back full circle to what you're doing as a, a career counselor, as a guide to these young people. Um, do you remember when you decided to go into that area? Um, kind of what was that first step that made you go, oh, this is something that I could do. Or maybe it was somebody who did this for you that you're like, oh, I want to do this for other people. Uh, planned happenstance. Uh, you know, uh, I never went to the career center in my undergrad at JMU. And so I graduated and I moved back home with my parents. And, uh, you know, just luckily for me, I found um, 
my first job out of college at a school for children with special needs. And that was simply because one of my friends worked there. You know, he put us all on. He put me and a bunch of my boys on. And so uh, this job was very intense um, and, you know, kicking and biting and very extreme behaviors. And it was in that experience. I was like, man, this is not the wave. I have to uh, go to grad school, whatever for. I got to I got to go to grad school because I thought that's how you get a better job or elevate your career. And so I was like, wow, I like working with these kids. I like education, but I don't want to be a traditional educator. I don't want to be a classroom teacher. So I was like, maybe I'll be a school counselor. And so I just went any, mini, mighty, mo. And I picked George Mason. And a lot of people think, you know, there's this overthought and well-planned idea about going to grad school. But I simply picked Mason because they didn't ask for a GRE. Like, it was just that simple. Like, seriously. Um, oh, yeah. I want to be a school counselor. And I was like, no GRE. I'm not good at test taker. Um, they got an interview. You talk about yourself and what you're doing for children. And that's how I got in. So I got into the career counseling. I mean, I got into the school counseling program. And it was in that program that I realized, wow, I don't know if I want to be a school counselor. You know, there's so many school counselor colleagues in my classes. There's how many schools in this area? Let me switch over. And so I was taking a career counseling class, uh, sitting in the class. Uh, one of the, uh, and that class changed my life because I was like, wow, I didn't even know there was a whole niche of counseling that related to career. Like we were learning about substance abuse counseling. We were learning about, you know, mental health all these different things. But then we actually had a full class that specifically targeted about, you know, the intersection of your purpose and your identity with a career, right? And I was like, wow, this is when the light bulb went off. And in that class, um, a gentleman by the name of Ken Garant who passed away, he came to our class and he was working at the career center. He was the internship supervisor and career counselor. And he did a presentation. He talked about resumes and he was like, and a matter of fact, um, I know that in your program, you have to do an internship. We at Career Services here at George Mason University offer an internship to help you fulfill that. And I was like, that's it. That's the one I want to go to. And so uh, uh, being very assertive, I emailed him a lot. I said, can I do an informational interview? Can I do a site visit and walk around the office? Can I just connect with you over a cup of coffee? And then he was like, yo, Philip, please stop bothering me. You got the internship. Leave me alone. Like you, you know, I was very assertive. And so, um, so, you know, he let me join. He was, he was a mentor. Um, he was so cool. He was like a Zen master, man. Never got upset, never yelled, just the calmest guy. He actually loved kayaking and being on the water. And it like made perfect sense. Like he was like the water. He was just so chill. And uh, yeah, he gave me my first shot. And that was it. Like, that was it. I knew from that experience at career services that some form or fashion, I was going to work in higher ed. More specifically, I was going to work in careers, but, you know, um, beggars can't be choosers. The job market, like there's but so many career centers in this area. You know, my wife and I were to get together, so I couldn't, you know, it was either higher ed, more specifically careers, but in general, working with people on a college campus, that really, that's where I started my career for sure. Oh, I love that. What, what was the guy's name again? I'd like to continue his legacy by sharing his I, name. His, na- his name is Ken Garant. Ken, Ken Garant? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we stayed in touch over the years. And, you know, when I, um, I came back in 2017 and he was no longer working in career services and he had, he had passed early 2018. 
No, mm-hmm. we're 17. So we have a ceremony for him. Um, you know, actually, you can't, this, the viewers can't see this, but uh, we, during his ceremony, we wrote messages to him on a rock uh. and we put it by the Mason Pond because he loved water, but I didn't want to put mine by the water. I wanted to keep it. So I, he actually wrote it out. I said, Ken, thank you for the opportunity to start my career in higher ed. You are a great mentor. I'm thinking of you, Phil. Oh, I love that. I just got a little, yeah, got a little teary there. It just goes to show, you know, that it doesn't take much to have that kind of influence on people. I mean, I don't think, uh, I don't think he realized, you know, during that journey of, of, becoming a young professional, particularly going to grad school. And I told you the story. Now I got good grades. You know, I got, you know, I had three, two, but I wasn't the most academic that he didn't know below the surface that like I had a lot of, I was fighting a lot of demons in regards to insecurity and not feeling like I belonged and always feeling very anxious about making mistakes, even, you know, making mistakes as an intern. And uh, I don't think he realized like he would always just chill me down. Like, it's all good. Nothing's okay. Everything's okay or you belong here, or he would ask me to speak up in meetings. Like, what do you think, Phil? And so I don't think he realized how powerful of an influence that was um, as a young person in her young 20s, feel like they belonged in a career space. That was my first, you know, opportunity. Uh, so Do you get to tell him sure. that before he passed? Oh, yeah, he knew he was mad cool. We used to joke a lot, you know. Like, yeah. I'm one of those people that, like, um, I don't hide it. They don't know. If you know, if I rock with you, I tell you. So I used to like tell, I told Ken multiple times, you know, that thing on his rock, that wasn't like just on a rock. I told him that in emails. I told him to his face. I told him in his, you know, any ceremony that I could do. I, I definitely used any opportunity to tell him how I felt about him. Uh, um, so that feels good. Maybe that's part of why the loss doesn't feel the same as it would have had you not gotten that chance. Oh yeah. No, he knew. Yeah. He knew. Uh, I love that. So And it, when you think about it, I mean, I know that you have that impact on students all all the time. Do you see that impact? I mean, is it part of what motivates you and inspires you? Or are you kind of like him where you don't really know? I mean, you kind of know, but you don't really know. Uh, I mean, can I share a story where I kind of feel both? Yes, please. All right. So, um, so. In reflection, I wanted to prepare for this, right? We're talking about stories. So I was trying to think of a really story that encapsulate, like, like embodies that, like, I don't know what's going to be later on, but it was very impactful, not only for someone else, but for me. So uh, back, okay, I started in Mason in 2017 and, you know, doing my thing, working careers, making an, you know, make, quote, unquote, making an impact, helping students, particularly helping students that are black, um, black and brown, you know, um, because of that that definitely gives me a lot of motivation. And um, I get this email and I was, I was trying to prepare, but I was trying to like backtrack in my mind, how these pieces, how this random happenstance lays out. So I get an email and um, I get an email on May, May, 2019, 19. Yes. 19. And so in that email, it was this high up guy. Uh, well, it was, from the the VP of Student Affairs saying that one of the other high up people had left Mason to pursue other opportunities. All right, whatever, you know, he was a black male. He was an alpha like me. Uh, His name is Kahan Sablo. Uh, He was doing big things, you know. Um, I was like, all right, that's cool. So whatever, he left. 
Um, he left Mason. So I'm just chilling and I get an email later on around August. And so this will play in. And it was from two young ladies, uh, Shelby Adams and Dominique Downs. Downs. Um, and the email was, hello, Professor Wilkerson. Everyone calls me professor, even though I'm not a professor. You know, like, they always give me these titles because you, know, you understand students get so nervous to reach out to adults. Right. Hello, Professor Wilkerson. Um, as you know, Kahan Sablo has left Mason. Um, and, you know, we are, you know, students uh, in, you know, we're the student leaders of the, the NAACP here at campus. Um, we reached out in, uh, to the director of the Multicultural Center, uh, Dr. Van Bailey, and he suggested that you, we reach out to you because you were someone that always supports Black students, like specifically name drop me. And, um, you know, we would love to meet with you um, to talk about you being our advisor for the NAACP, because if we don't have an advisor by September, this is August now, we will, we will be dropped as a student organization. Like we won't be a student org anymore. Um, and so they said they'll be dropped, right? And so I, I really didn't know anything about the NAACP. I'm a member of Alpha and I've heard of the NAACP. I used to make jokes like, I only thought about the NAACP when something racist happened and Al Sharpton's on TV, you know what I'm saying? So like, you know, I, 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 I had not do my due diligence about membership or how affiliated they are in the community, all that stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll meet with these students, you know, hear them out because, you know, they, they, they emailed me. And so uh, they come to my office, which we're at right now, and uh, they're so nervous and they were dressed up and had a folder. And uh, these two young ladies pitched it. They literally pitched the NAACP to me. They were like, we're going to be the president and vice president of this organization. We're only sophomores because everyone that was uh, the, the board, you know, the presidents, they graduated and elected us as we, we were, we got nominated as freshmen, went into the summer. And now we're a sophomore leading this organization on campus. Uh, you know, we're really nervous, but we, we, we really don't want to be dropped. Uh, can you help us? And I was like, uh, you know, all right, I don't know. But I just started talking to the students and I said, where'd you go to high school? And Shelby said, I went to, um, I went to, what's called it? South County High School. I said, oh, wow. I went to Mount Vernon once again. I said, do you know anybody went to Mount Vernon? She said, yeah, I know the Wilkes, Harry Wilkes. I was like, stop right there. Harry, I went to high school with Harry. Harry's my friend. I said, we don't have to pitch this no more. Whatever <laughs> you need me to do, I got you. You know, whatever. I'll fill out forms. I'll be your advisor. That's it. You don't even have to continue. But this is where that Ken Garant story comes in. This is about, what, three years later? Shelby Adams. She became the SGA president of the whole college. She uh, worked for the ACLU as an intern. She joined AKA, another sorority. She it literally is a rock star. Anyone that you think of, she's a rock star. She, she has taught me. Dominique, same thing. She did an a, a internship with the governor of Virginia in the Secretary of Education. Uh, she's on the anti-racism task force here at Mason. These two young ladies literally are the, the most dream students that anyone could ever have. And like my name is attached to them and they have inspired me. I, after that meeting, I started researching NAACP. I, I bought a membership. So now I am a card 
holding member of the NAACP. They helped me get more active in social justice and thinking about that. So I'm like, that was the craziest meeting ever. They literally just picked any mini money mo. They could have picked anyone else to be their advisor. Uh, they picked me. Uh, they make fun of me. They're like, I don't know. I think I'm in a mere fit. Wait, old, too old. I'm too old to be, you know, their like peer and classmate or uncle, whatever. No, I, I guess I'm uncle range. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. like, like I'm an uncle-ish. Like I can't be older brother because I little, feel a little old because they're like 14 years younger than me or something. I can't do math right now. <laughs> they can't be my daughters either because then I'd be like, I had like, you know, a, a kid at 14, you know what I'm saying? So I'm in this milk. But they have inspired me in ways that they did not know. And supposedly, you know, I mean, they say I helped them. I don't know. I feel like I did. Um, I thought I helped them just by, you know, signing a dotted line. But, you know, just getting guidance. They asked me for advice. So I don't know. In hindsight, when I think about that, that was like probably one of the most pivotal moments because not only did I become the advisor at that moment, not only become the advisor for the NAACP because of that, that gentleman left, I was also the, I became the advisor for the Alphas on campus because of that gentleman as well. So I'm leading two student organizations that related to black students here at Mason because they knew who I was and they just, they thought I could be a trusted, trusted person to support. And, and you became an advisor to these two young women directly. I mean, I'm sure they came to you not just for um, guidance as far as the organizations are concerned. They came to you because they trusted you about their careers, about school, about relationships. Yeah. Oh, I get so all, that, all the above. That's so awesome. And, and you know, I think the when it's one-sided, it's not the same relationship. So I love that story for exactly that reason. It demonstrates that when we give of ourselves and approach it with curiosity at the same time, it's such a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, no, seriously. Seriously, they changed my life. I, I tell them that. And you're gonna say, Philip, did you tell them that? Yes, I did. <laughs> like, like, you know, as I tell you, <laughs> well, I don't I tell them that. I'm like, man, I'm so grateful that you chose me to be your advisor. You know, it's super random. I'll be doing that, you know, or or uh, I remember like just little things, like I feel like I made it. I remember specifically Shelby Adams is the president, right? SGA president. Uh-huh. And she's on this Zoom call or she's on this call with the president of Mason. And there was she was, and, and the president was like, do you have anyone that you'd like to shout out that has helped you? And she dropped my name. She dropped my name in front of the president. I feel like I made it. I I made it. (laughs) That's so cool. Well, think about it though. I mean, it wasn't random. You say it's random. I don't believe in random. I don't believe in coincidence. You, so there are times when you have put the work in, you made the choices to take the opportunities that you had before that. And what that does is these things don't just drop into your lap, no matter. They drop in your lap because you put your lap in the right place. So you, that's not random. You worked your tail off to get to that point. And not just, I mean, academics, that's that's not even important as far as I'm concerned. My, you would not even believe my undergrad GPA. <laughs> it was really pathetic. But it's it's the heart and soul that you put into it, the fact that you showed up to get that internship. You assistant with Ken, and you had to be in the right place in order for that opportunity to land in your lap. So don't ever for a moment think that that kind of relationship building is random because it's not. 
Well, I mean, I believe in planned happenstance. It's kind of an oxymoron. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was yeah. very strategic that I put myself in situations very strategically. I took that class or whatever. But also, I mean, it is happenstance that these pieces happen or these connections happen. So, I mean, I kind of believe in that. Or, you know, one of my colleagues likes to really adhere to the chaos theory, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the chaos theory of life or careers. Like, we're all just balls bouncing off each other, right? That's chaos. And mathematically, the one in a millionth chance that this happens is crazy, right? That's chaos. But then we also still, as you said, strategically or purposely put ourselves in situations for that chaos to happen, right? So I don't know. I believe in it. I believe in that, like, you know, uh, the grand creator, you know, things happen for a reason. Someone's looking out for me. Mm -hmm. Someone's putting pieces into play. But also, man, like, I still do. I still think, like, I take moments and like still be thinking like how does this happen to me this is totally random like, <laughs> yeah. random. like i understand that i did the work i understand exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. but there's like times where i'm like yo but even with the work that one millisecond could have changed could have been a difference my life right or what if i like you know you know people that read junk email you know what if i thought those students emails was a junk email i ain't got time right. for this delete you know right. what i'm saying like like, yeah. God, I say delete, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, oh, I got no time for but, this. But, you, know, you know, our brains have the capacity for so much more than we use them. And my theory, so there's a talent in StrengthsFinder called connectedness. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's something that uh, I think it's my number nine, ten. So it's pretty high up there. And the people I know that have connectedness in their top five are the ones that can put the pieces together to understand how these things occurred. And they don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. However, I also don't believe in fate, which is kind of a a contradiction, right? The best description I ever saw, and forgive me for this book, because I really was not a big fan of the book overall. Pray love. I thought it was really narcissistic. It was so self-absorbed, but there was one part in it where when this character was in India and she describes her relationship with that contradiction, she says, it feels like every morning I wake up standing on two racing circus horses. One is fate and the other is free will. And I never know which one is which. So imagine yourself trying to balance on these two galloping circus horses and you don't know which one to put more of your weight on at any given time, right? You're just going with it and they're galloping and you're going with it. So um, it is, it feels contradictory, but. Well, it kind of reminds me, well, you know, you said, forgive me, but I'm not going to say forgive me because this is my favorite movie, Forrest Gump. I love that movie. And and then that line. That line, I want to make sure I didn't like murder it, but that line is, is, I don't know if each of us has a destiny or we're just floating around accidental like on a breeze, but maybe it's both. Maybe both are happening at the same time. Yeah, so I totally feel I, like, I mean, that perfect. movie makes me cry every time at that scene, you know, when he's talking to Jenny at the grave and yeah. talking about raising mm-hmm. little forest. But I feel like that too, like that I am, you know, that we are just in the breeze, like the feather. But at the same time, maybe, you know, not everything's an accident. Right. And And our brains have so much capacity to see things that we're not seeing. Our subconscious is like this masterful computer. So even if we don't know why things are happening the way they're happening, our brain is sensing things long before we process it consciously. 
That's good. Good to know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I, like, that's, I'm reflecting on that one. That's, I mean, that's going to take a while. But I think that's why people with connectedness have the best small world stories. You know, like I have these incredible small world stories where, um, for instance, uh, I'm connected with a lot of fabulous people on LinkedIn. And one of them, Amy Blaschka, is a, a ghostwriter. And she does all kinds of great content creation, not just for herself, but for her clients. And um, I randomly met a guy out of Texas, uh, Ron Holyfield, who emailed me after I left my last public sector job, which I was working for a city. And he said, hey, I noticed you left your job. What are you doing now? And that's because he recruits, his company recruits for public sector um, high-level positions, executive positions. And he found me because of my connections with the government. Has nothing to do with LinkedIn. We weren't even connected on LinkedIn. I checked. I recognized him, but I couldn't remember why. And when it dawned on me, it was because I had seen the recruitment letters and flyers coming through my office when I worked for the city. And I would just toss them, right? But I was like, well, that name looks familiar. Didn't know each other on LinkedIn. I started a conference in 2017 called No Longer Virtual, and Amy Blaschka has come to that conference every year. Well, two years ago, not quite two years ago, after I had met this guy, Ron, he called me up to check in because we've been talking about collaboration for years. Called me up to check in. He said, yeah, so um, it was the weirdest thing. I was realizing that I need to hire somebody to do our blog post for our company. So I'm looking for a ghostwriter and I see this article in Forbes and I think, huh, I bet this woman would know a ghostwriter if she isn't one herself. So he calls her and they have this great conversation. And she says, you know, Ron, this is such a, a strong connection. You would really love this conference I go to every year called No Longer Virtual. And he goes, wait, NL, NLV, boy, that sounds familiar. Wait a minute, isn't that Sarah Elkins? And she says, yes, how do you know Sarah Elkins? And it was Amy Blaschka that he had contacted randomly through Forbes. So how would that have ever come to be if we didn't share the right story at the right time? Amy happened to share, oh my gosh, this connection is cool. You are going to love the people that I connect with every year. There's no other reason for her to share about that conference other than the fact that we are part of it, right? And that we look for people who are going to contribute generously and be part of this growing tribe of connection for longer. So that's a great small world story, right? How random does that have to be? And yet, if you have connectedness in your top talent, you're like, oh yeah, well, of course that happened. <laughs> right. But I just looked just now while you were talking because I've I very rarely look past number five, but I did the I, th I thought it was worth it for me to know all top 10 and uh -huh. connectedness is number eight for me. Aha. So you so see how there. things are connected. Yeah, yeah, I see it. I see it. You know, I mean, you know, like I said, I gravitated. I love, you know, I love those movies, you know, kind of like, you know, Memento or whatever, where they like show how like one second. I love those kind of movies where they show like the person like like the movie Crash, right? Where yes. very sad, but they show how like this event led to this and then they cross paths up. Those right. those kind of stories or breaking breaking bad was really good at that too. Like how one choice affected this. The threads, the, right? The threads of that. Oh, I love that kind of stuff. Like yeah. if I could make a movie, I, I thought about that one day, it was going to be like the journey of a dollar. Like there was going to show like you took $1 and you saw how the dollar transferred from like 
a drug lord to like a teacher okay, there, to like there is like hot, hot pastel, there is a movie about that <laughs> about the, the, the journey of a dollar i think it's called the hundred dollar something like that it's a okay, hundred dollar bill well, yeah, you would love, would love it. That. I'll see if I can find the link. <laughs> no, but I love those. I, I mean, I definitely believe in the connectedness. I, I'm just saying like, like you, I'm like, I just can't definitively say there's no such thing as happenstance. And there's no definitive, like you just said, like the two horses, there's no such thing as fate. Maybe it's a mixture of both. Maybe it's strategic. Mm-hmm. Maybe like everyone in a life has some form of agency. Like, I don't believe that like, we just give up everything to faith. Like I have agency mm-hmm. within my actions. I love that. Like I have agency within a second to learn how I react to situations. So I totally mm-hmm. believe in that, right. That part of my self-control and agency, right. Your personal like, responsibility, personal responsibility. But I also understand too, like sometimes just random stuff happens. Like it just <laughs> happens. Like, you know, like you just bump into somebody or, and so, you know, um, kind of infuses. If you look at my board, I get the word be kind. You never know. Like, you know, I love those, I love those stories where it was like, I was really going to be sad and, and this sounds really dramatic, but I was going to, you know, hurt myself, but that person smiled at me. And I thought I was it's like, that's crazy. I'll give powerful. it one more like, day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Those things are crazy powerful. Like being kind could like save someone's life in a dramatic way. But that's that connectedness, right? Like you see that, exactly. like, you know, now I might, I might not think about that connectedness when I'm supposed to do laundry or something boring. <laughs> my wife might be like, can you feel connected to these chores? Yeah. Who knows? If that like, is ever gonna happen. You, can, you can't remember these errands, but you can remember who you sat next to in the 10th grade. I was like, yo, my, pe- my people memory is on point. Like I can remember people. Exactly. I can't remember, I can't remember picking up the laundry one time or whatever, but exactly. I don't know. <laughs> that's my skill set. That's, that's, that's part of what I find. That's important. your woo, your woo yeah. and connectedness. Before we wrap up, you, I know you had prepared, you had thought of, not prepared specifically, but thought about what stories you wanted to share. Do you have any others that you were eager to share? Because I don't want to wrap this up without really taking advantage of having a good storyteller on the podcast. Well, I was saying that one, that that was one with the Shelby and, and Dominique. And Dominique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also I would say, how about this? You know, I, I thought about this in the background the power of networking. Um, so um, I reviewed and I've applied between 2012, 2012 and 2017. I applied to about 30 jobs at Mason. All these different jobs, you know, I just wanted to come back here so bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, something about the community, something about the experience I had in the internship like something about not dealing with traffic and being <laughs> living in Northern Virginia and being close to home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was one of those moments where I tell a lot of students that building your social capital, being a good person, sometimes those relationships yield results that are unbeknownst to you. So as I said earlier, I kept in touch with Ken. I kept in touch with everyone else in my office. If I was ever around, I said, can I stop by and say hello to the office? I send those happy birthday messages and all that. And uh, specifically, I remember I got a I got a LinkedIn message from Elena Churro, who's my colleague now. She said, "Congratulations on the birth, uh, you know, on congratulations on your wife being pregnant with your second son. Um, if you're interested, I would encourage you to apply." And she sent the LinkedIn link for the position I have now. And I emailed her and I said, "Wow, you know, thank you for sending it. I see that the the window is closed." 
And she said, no, still apply. Meaning like it's still open regardless. So that kind of that networking, that inside scoop, most people probably would have saw that and said, you know, the window's closed. I'm not going to apply. Knowing that we had a connection from my previous work. And so I screenshot that. I screenshot it. I put it in presentations. I talk about, you know, when I do the presentations on networking, uh, okay. particularly about going to job fairs and all that stuff and the power of using LinkedIn, especially my LinkedIn workshop, because I, I definitely had that message still saved. I can scroll down and save it. And so that was a very powerful moment. You know, I wasn't even, look, I, I told you I had 30 jobs. I wasn't even looking no more. I kind of jaded. Like, I ain't going to get, I'm not getting a job back at Mason. Let me just sit in my car and make these random rambling videos. You know what I'm like, that's, that's, that's concurrently around the same time, starting the podcast, doing these random videos in my car, uh-huh. uh, joining Alpha, I, I crossed in 2017. And usually it was literally like that. Like this opportunity came to me, you know, came to me. Not of course it did. And, yeah, because you're persistent. Uh, but I wasn't even persistent. Like I said, I told you, I wasn't even persist- persistent with, I wasn't even persistent with Mason anymore. It's more so I was just like. You were persistent about, with relationships. Yeah, that, that's literally what I was about to that's say. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah, that's important to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maintaining strong relationships. I think, I think the podcast is just an extension of that. So I think that's my second story to tell. The lesson learning from there is just, you know, relationships matter. You never know where they're going to go. You never know. You know, that's it. That's pretty much embrace randomness. <laughs> embrace chaos. Perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. Phil, I love that. This has been such a great conversation. I've been grinning through the whole conversation. I don't know if you noticed, but I've been smiling through the whole thing. And um, thank you for taking the time. I know there's a lot going on in the world right now and in your life and my life. And to be able to make this strong connection is important to me. And so I really appreciate the time and energy you put into it. So thank no you. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, my podcast is called uh, Positive Filter. Uh, positive spelled positive and then filter spelled with a ph instead of an f because i'm I'm clever so it's positive and then filter p-h-i-l-t-e-r filter uh, you can find it on apple uh, spotify all the different podcast apps that you listen to podcast um, i also sometimes go live on linkedin and do some short i have another second podcast called positive filter short takes sometimes i do short going back to those that that random ramblings i bring that back but now it's in a podcast form. So that was always in my mind to do that as well. Um, just keep a lookout for me on LinkedIn. You can follow me uh, at Positive Filter is also the social media. i got a Twitter and all that. Um, but I love to connect with people. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Philip Wilkerson. Um, definitely love connecting with people. And, and thank you so much for this opportunity to share stories. We talked about the power of stories on your, on your episode on my podcast. Um, this is great. So I really awesome. love storytelling. Thank you, Phil. Are you ready to start your story portfolio so you have the right story ready to share when the opportunity presents itself? When you're ready to get started, my book, Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will, is available in all the regular places, and the audiobook version is available on Google Play and on my website, elkinsconsulting.com. As a special bonus for listeners, the audiobook includes two songs recorded by my band, Spare Change in my living room in Montana. Also on my website is a free podcast interview checklist. It's available to download to make sure you make the most out of your next podcast interview. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to rate the podcast and leave a review and let me know that you've done it.
so I can thank you properly. Thank you. Thank you.